I've got my bottle of water with me, the important things in life. Are you doing okay? Are you warm this morning? Do you want to take a moment just to stand up and then to sit down, just to kind of get yourself re-comforted again and kind of resettle just while I get my, uh, get my stuff together? Okay, so my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, again, if you're new here this morning, it's great to have you among us. If you've been here for a long time, equally, it's great to have you here still among us. And um, I'm going to take 10 minutes of my talk this morning just to focus on an area of a church life that has, um, that's been going on for quite a few years now. But as many of us will know, this area of church life is actually drawing to a close. It's drawing to an end as summer approaches. And that is the area of the community groups. And the community, uh, the community groups have served us as a church so incredibly well. And I just wanted to take five or ten minutes just to honour the community groups, to honour the impact of what they've had on us as a church. And as we move on to small groups, we don't want to forget all that God has done for the last few years in these community groups. So I'm just going to invite Dave, Dave Lyons, to come up. Let's give Dave a round of applause if he can. I'm going to give Dave his own mic. I don't know if that's dangerous or not, but uh, we'll we'll see how we go. So, um, Five or ten minutes, we'll make it ten. Right, okay. So I've invited Dave up. Dave's been part of one of our community groups called Friends International. And so I'm just going to ask Dave two or three questions about the community group, about his experience of it, and this kind of stuff, just to see, like, first-hand experience, really, what it's been like. So, Dave... How has being part of Friends International Community Group impacted like you, you as a person? Brilliant. I'll spontaneously answer that spontaneous question. My few little notes here were just a few names so I don't forget. Well, Pam and I, we've always had a heart for nations and people from other nations, probably ever since we've been married. And to be honest with you, being part of the Friends International Community Group, I suppose it's best described as having the best tickets on the front row of events in world history. It's been incredible. Do you know, all the things that have happened across the world, you know, whether it's uh, been in the Middle East or in Europe, all the stuff about, you know, migrants coming in from different sources, we've actually interfaced with many, many of those situations. We've had Afghani women, full-on Muslims, that we've been able to pray for. We've had communists brought up in communist countries who actually uh, are now Christians and part of this church. I'll maybe say a bit about later. It's just been remarkable. In fact, I can just say, at the moment, as part of King's Church... Often in our meeting on a Sunday, we have countries represented from who have been touched through Friends International, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Kosovo, over there, uh, Portugal, Iran, Zambia, Philippines, Central African Republic, Ghana. The list goes on and on and on. And a lot of those are now part of our church. Some of those will actually be working with our children. They're not in here because they're with our children. And, and some of the things that, that Natalie so brilliantly spoke about two or three weeks ago, the refugees, that's been going on, you know, in our midst all the time that New Frontiers, um, not New Frontiers, Friends International has been happening. It has been the most fantastic opportunity to talk to people, pray with people, serve people that I can remember. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. yeah, love it, love it. First one. Spontaneous yeah. round of applause <laughs> there as well. But it, like, that's just an example of some of the stuff that one of the community groups have been doing which is superb. So Colin and Anne Bristow can't be here this morning, but um, they are the leaders of, of Friends International Community Group. Is there anything publicly that yeah. you'd like to say that expresses how you feel? Like in terms of 
leading a community group in terms of leading the Friends International group for Colin and Anne, but also there are other leaders of other community groups out there as well. Is there anything publicly you'd like to say to honour yeah. those guys that have, have led? Yeah. I mean, I've got the privilege of being up here doing it. It could have been one of a, a number of people, many people in, in different community groups. I'd really like to start with Stephen Laurie Young. Stephen Laurie Young had the original vision for Friends International way back five, six years ago, and they really got the whole thing going. I really believe it's changed the culture of the church completely, which is fantastic. Um, and then, as you say, Stephen Laurie handed on the sort of leadership of Friends International to the Bristows. I'm glad they're not here in a way because they'd be embarrassed to hear what I'm going to say. Do you know what? They are the most godly, welcoming, hospitable couple. And I know there are many people here who've been into their home, who've had incredible hospitality. They've just been superb um, at every, every, in every way. Godly, good leaders, strong, uh, clear sort of administrative leadership, but with a real heart. So they've been fantastic. And um, they also head up the work down at Hastings College, in South, South uh, Sussex Coast College, where every other Tuesday for the last... Ooh, years and years, that, that a group has met down there. And I'd like to tell you who the group is, because I'd like to one of these as well. So as well as Colin and Anne, uh, we've got uh, Neil and Pearl Alexander. Uh, we've got, um, who else? Uh, who else goes down the college? Um, I've lost, lost my way here with notes a bit. Uh, we've got the Alexanders, the Bristows. Uh, we've got Marguerite and various others down at Hastings College. It's open to anybody from the international community who want to come, students down there. And again, that's been a fantastic connector to the church. People have come from all sorts of places. We've had people here from, uh, from, um, uh, um, from, uh, from Syria, uh, uh, a guy from Syria who'd, whose home had been bombed out in Aleppo. And uh, he was here for our uh, uh, Christmas meeting. He's come to our meetings, mostly through the work from the college, but they've actually come, many of them, into our, into our church. So it's just been incredible what's been going on down there. And then from that sort of beginning, uh, with Steve and Laurie running a group at Chapel Park Road Community Hall, open to anybody who wants to come, as well as the college, we've got that one going on, where many people have been involved in that as well. And um, uh, that was really spinning off into lots of other groups uh, for Friends International. Um, Pam and I ran a, an alpha group. We intended it to do it for 10 weeks. It ran for a year. People kept saying, we don't want to stop. We don't want to stop. We had communists. We had full-on Muslims. We had converted Muslims. We had lapsed Catholics. And they just didn't want to stop. And then that ran on into a, um, a discipleship group. And can I just say one quick story? A discipleship group? Yeah, so, okay, thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, so, <laughs> so, I mean, imagine this. Just, just get... <laughs> no, 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 I won't. Honest, honest. Uh, um, we went round for a discipleship group on the back of this alpha to the, the home of a, a Muslim friend of ours, an Iranian, who'd been converted. So we've got two or three converted Muslims actually in our midst who are often in our meetings here, often. You probably don't know them, but they're here. But this one particular time, we went round to the, this home of this Muslim lady and we just had a discipleship group. And they, one of them brought a, a lady from 
Syria again, who'd been bombed out of her home, who got here as a refugee. She was in the full burqa. She had the whole bit on. She was a full-on Muslim. And she was, all the stuff I was talking, I said, look, I'm going to be talking about Jesus. That's fine, it's fine. She didn't speak any English. She did it in Farsi. And a friend of hers from the Yemen translated, because um, she knew Farsi, from English to Farsi. And so she told us her story. And, you know, it was just unbelievable. You know, bombed out, terrible family problems. Over in the UK, we were just all in tears. And Pam, my wife, just went up and put her arm around it and said, look, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian. Can I pray? And the woman said, of course you can. So Pam prayed, and the Lord Jesus would come. And, and she just was very happy to accept that. And it was just one of those heart-melting moments. We're touching situations like that. That was Alpha. We've had um, uh, Claire Jenner and Peter uh, Crane help with that one in language work. Fantastic. We've got a craft group going on every other Friday run by uh, Anne Bunt and Laurie. That's uh, mainly Muslims. We've got the work at the Pestalozzi village. I mean, Jane and, and Graham Delves, I can't really commend them enough. If you could believe what Graham, Jane, Neil Penny and the Bristos have done with those two rows of people from Pestalozzi that you've seen here for the last year, they've all gone now. They've gone back to their countries or some of them back here next year. Do you know Graham and Jane, apart from heading up every other Friday up at Pestalozzi Village where we go over and we pray with them, we worship, we do teaching. These guys have them into their homes. They've been doing this for years and years and years. And we've still got people on Facebook contacting them saying, you know, uh, thanks for your prayers, thanks for your love. I'm now uh, just training to be a doctor out in one of the countries they came from, very, very poor, bringing the love of God to people, you know, out there. So I just want to honour those guys as well. And I think that probably covers all of them. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I know, I know we've only just heard from one of the community groups. Uh, there are plenty of community groups that have, are still existing or have taken place. The projects that you've kind of heard of, these projects are existing. They will carry on. The work in the college will carry on. Pestalozzi is going to carry on, and, um, which is great. It's a great testimony to what the community groups have done. And actually, we can move forward positively because of such an amazing work that these community groups have done. I just want to embarrass a few people. And um, if you've ever led a community group, or if you are leading a community group now, or an integral part of a community group, would you please just stand? Is that okay? Please stand in the past, or if you're doing it now. Brilliant. Okay. If you're shy, please don't worry about that. I know we're embarrassing you. Guys, I would just love to, everyone else to please just give these guys a round of applause. We want to honour them for their hard work for the past few years. And as a congregation, I just want to ask you guys to stand, if that's all right. Everyone else stand up. And I've just asked Dave to just pray. The Psalms are kind of full of different ideas and Psalms. Psalms of thanksgiving and all this kind of stuff. I've just asked Dave to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the community groups. And um, so I'm going to hand over to Dave. And he's just going to thank God, really, for what these groups have meant to us. Go for it, Dave. Yeah, Lord. I'm humbled, really, by being the spokesperson for many people here, Lord. And I want to thank you so much, Lord. I've, I just detected that, that theme running through our community group of love, commitment to Jesus, commitment to people, uh, giving up of time, resources, Lord. And I know the leaders of all those groups, they lead that so well and encourage their teams to do the same. So I want to thank you for every person that's been reached for Jesus, Lord, by word or by deed during this season of the community groups. Lord, I know there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Lord, we had that word from John Wales about uh, your name being rubbish. Thank you, Lord. 
community groups have gone out there and reversed that and been able to say, no, the church isn't like that. The church isn't what you say it is, an introverted little miserable group. We're out there in the community. We're out there proclaiming the love of Jesus in word and deed. So I want to thank you for every single one of them, Lord, and I want to honour them. And Lord, I thank you for this season of church life. Lord, I believe church life often goes in seasons. This has been from you. It's been a season, Lord, where you've pushed us out. You've got us involved. But Lord, as we move in now to connect groups, Lord, I pray that none of this is lost. I pray, Lord God, as we rightly now come in to connect groups, to be discipled, Lord. Lord, that word about what is Christianity, it, 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 Christianity is to reach to the ends of the earth, but to make sure it's the pure New Testament kind. Lord, we want to reach to the ends of the earth through the different ways, but we also want it to be right Christianity, good disciple church, Lord. So I thank you. We're now looking at a season where all the good things that have been into the community groups, all the good things those leaders have brilliantly led us into, would now not just continue, but multiply as we go into the next phase of connect groups. And Lord, we would still have that passionate love for Jesus and that passionate love for people, which is going to continue to grow and develop, Lord, and move our church forward. Lord, we thank you for them and we honour them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Let's give Dave a round of applause. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, it's just important that we do that and um, celebrate, really, and look forward to uh, thank God for what's gone and look forward to what's coming. And so September, we'll be signing up to small groups and this kind of stuff. And there'll be more information coming um, as time goes on. But for this morning, I just want to kind of begin to speak a bit into the life of, I, I guess, community groups. Uh, not community groups, connect groups, small groups. But kind of like it goes above and beyond small groups as well. And um, if you've got your Bible, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, stick your finger in that page for a bit. And we'll be turning to it in a moment. So... I thought I'd start the talk by, um, in a way that you may not have experienced before. I'm going to talk about an assassination, and um, welcome to church. I'm going to talk about the assassination of someone called Abraham Lincoln, uh, a famous American president. And um, on April the 14th, 1865, this famous American president was assassinated by someone called John Wilkes Booth. And um, it was taking place in a theatre, and I, don't, I won't go into the gory details, I don't want you guys having nightmares or anything tonight, but um, he was kind of, he was shot in the evening and he passed away the next day. And as they um, went through the body and things like that, went through his clothing, they found a variety of different things on Abraham Lincoln's body. I bet you're glad you came to church this morning, didn't you? History lesson in someone that's not here anymore. And, um, but they found a variety of things on his body, and it's the stuff on his body that I found, kind of find, not morbidly, but kind of find really quite interesting. Here's what they found. They found two pairs of eyeglasses, so two pairs of glasses, and story has it that one of the pair used to get broken a lot, you know the little screw that kind of holds your arm on, that used to come undone quite a lot, and so um, Lincoln used to carry around a small pocket knife. And he used to do this screw up with a small pocket knife. So he had two pairs of glasses and he carried around with him a pocket knife as well. What else did he have on? He had a pocket knife, eyeglasses, he had a watch fob, he had a monogrammed hanky with his um, initials on. And he also had a brown leather wallet. And um, contained in this brown leather wallet is the thing that is quite interesting really. Um, in this brown leather wallet there were eight newspaper clippings. And, um, which is quite strange, 
why would someone carry around eight newspaper clippings? But when they opened these eight newspaper clippings up, they were like, interested to discover that these eight newspaper clippings were eight positive newspaper clippings that were written about Lincoln's leadership. And there was, I don't think, I think, I'm not a historian, but I don't think probably there would have been that many positive things written about an American president at the time. And so what he's done is, he's found eight positive, helpful, uplifting, motivating, helps him in the times when they're tough, newspaper clippings that he carried around with him. And when he found things hard, when he needed a bit of resilience, when he needed a bit of a pick-me-up, a bit of motivation, a bit of a push forward, what he did was he took out these eight newspaper clippings, read them, and that grounded him again. That brought him back to focus. It brought him back because this word of encouragement was just massive for him. Anyone who's involved in any kind of leadership or management or any kind of area of life, we all know that sometimes we just need just a bit of encouragement. And so that's the reason why Abraham Lincoln used to carry around in his brown wallet eight newspaper clippings. There's a great quote from um, Lincoln as well, which I put up there. I am a slow walker, but I never walk back. What a great quote. I am a slow walker, he used to say about himself. But one of the things he always used to try and do was never went backwards. He never went backwards. Always trying to take a slow step forward with his eight newspaper clippings in his pocket. So what have I said about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln? What's that got to do with the book of Hebrews? Well, it's kind of a bit like this. The book of Hebrews was written to probably a small group of Jewish Christians. And these Christians at the time were kind of backwards and forwards in their faith. They hadn't fully broken away from Judaism, but they hadn't fully embraced what Christianity was about. And so they were in danger of drifting. They had the kind of foot in both camps in a way. They'd suffered some persecution along the way, um, being banned from their own temple courts for their belief in Christianity. And so they found themselves a persecuted, probably confused group of people. And so when you read the book of Hebrews, that is why there's such a strong stress on the finality of Christianity, on the work of Christ is this. They needed to hear solidness. They needed to hear solidness for the place where they were. And so there's a comparing of Christianity and it being superior over other religions, especially a comparison between Christianity and Judaism. So when you're writing a letter to a group like this, what do you contain in it apart from the things that I've just said about? So you might contain some of the stuff that you'll find in chapter 10, verse 19 through to 25. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Chapter 10, verse 19 through to 25. And why have I talked about Lincoln's wallet? It's kind of like this. He had eight newspaper clippings, and then eight newspaper clippings allowed him to walk forward. I wonder what it would be like if Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 25 might be like this. I wonder if that was the Hebrews wallet. I wonder if there's some messages in Hebrews that they can pull out of their wallet, and that's what helps them keep going. But the great thing about the Bible is it speaks to us today. My name's Paul. And so I'm going to claim Lincoln's wallet and Hebrew's wallet as my wallet. We're going to look at three or four things that hopefully, not just for me, but for you guys as well, individually, 
I'm hoping that these three or four things will be things that you can keep in your wallet, metaphorically speaking, unless you want to make a newspaper article or something like that out of the stuff I've said. It's up to you. But hopefully there'll be things that we can pull out of our wallet that we can remember, the things that can motivate, the things that can keep us going forward in the times when actually we might not feel like we want to go forward. So let me read out, if I find my Bible, Hebrews 10, 19 through to 25. Here's what he says. The title, Call to Persevere. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed, that heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, For he who promises faithful, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other daily, all the more as you see the day approaching. So that's this bit. There are five lettuces, kind of, five bits of salad in there, if you like. No, not lettuces, lettuces, you will find. In that bit of the Bible, we are not going down a grocery store of salad items at this point. But there are five lettuces. You've got draw near to God, hold unswervingly to hope, spur one another on, spur one another on. Don't give up meeting together and encourage one another. If anything, these are the five things that I want to keep in my wallet. Five things that are going to help me say, right, this is where I'm at. No matter what is going on, if it's good, bad, ugly, whatever is going on, those five things in my wallet will help me walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ going forward. I don't know about you, I I don't mind walking slow, I just don't want to go backwards. I want to keep going forward for all that God's got for me, all that God's got for you, all that God's got for my family, whatever way that looks like. So these five areas, the things that are good to put into your wallet. Because of time, I'm going to break them down into three. We're going to start off with verse 22. And verse 22 is the bit that talks about, let us draw near to God. And I love the fact that the writer of Hebrews, straight away, the first thing that he talks about, keep this one in your wallet. Keep this in your wallet. Take it out when you need it. The first thing, draw near to God talking to a group of people who are kind of like, right, where am I? What way do I go? What do I believe? All these different things going around. The very first thing the author of this says, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep drawing near to your God who is in heaven. Has anyone ever been shopping to the supermarket and have gone in there And they've actually come out with a load of stuff and haven't come out with the thing that you originally went to get. Unbelievable. It happens to me so much. Especially, so there was one time when um, I was sent to get some, I think it was actually toothpaste. And then I went in to get some toothpaste. And then um, I got the, the, the classic text from my wife, Roz, with an extra bit of shopping list about a few other items. And we needed some, you probably don't need to know this, but we needed some toilet paper. 
And so I went to the toilet paper aisle and I was confronted with, I don't know how many types of toilet paper. You've got quilted, double quilted, triple quilted, scented, unscented. You've got all sorts. It only does one job. Why do you need such a variety? Anyway, so I was there for about 20 minutes confused and stressing about what one do I get? Because I was in that aisle, I totally forgot about the toothpaste. So I got, bought the other stuff, went home, and I was just like, do you know what? I didn't keep the main thing the main thing. I was so detracted and distracted by so much other stuff around a, a toilet roll aisle that it just made me lose my focus. There was too much else going on. If only I'd had a proper bit of paper in my wallet that said, don't forget the toothpaste. It would have done me the world of good. I think what the writer is saying is, draw near to God. First and foremost, keep the main thing the main thing. Draw near to God. It's, it's him that this is about. It's all about him. Don't forget that. Draw near to God. In my own journey as a follower of Jesus, I've seen my mum pass away from cancer. I've been ill, this and that and the other. I've watched the amazing birth of my daughter and my son. I got married. I've had so many ups and downs. Life happens. This is the stuff of life. This is the stuff of life. There have been times when I have had to tell myself, draw near to God in the good moments. You need to draw near to God and thank him for such a wonderful time that you are experiencing at the moment. It's not just about the bad times as a Christian. It's about every time. Every moment in life, drawing near to God, thank him, share your life with him, your whole life. It's not a gospel of problems, it's a gospel of life, and life to the full. Share life, draw near to God in every moment. When you go into a, um, if you go into uh, to a Jewish synagogue, there'll be, there'll be the Torah there, and above the Torah, you'll often see this, this statement written up, and I've got to try and say it if I can. And what that means is, know before whom you stand. And it says that in, in a synagogue. And I love that. I'm not Jewish, but I just love some of the things that we can pick up. And um, when the author says, draw near to God, take a moment just to recognize, who is it that I stand before? Who do I stand What an invite what an invite. Let me read out quickly Psalm 148. As time goes on and you guys begin to know me a bit more, you, re- you just recognize that I just love the Psalms. Psalms 148. Here's what it says Praise the Lord. Just, just hold in mind, know, know before whom you stand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the highest heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all you heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let, him pray, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures, all you ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and you hills, fruit trees and all the cedars, wild animals, all the cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth. 
and all nations, you princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for himself a people a horn, a praise of the the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Know before whom you stand. When the writer says, draw near to God, take a moment and realize, wait a minute. This is the creator of everything. Everything. Draw near to God. What an invite. Keep the main thing the main thing. For the readers of Hebrews, who were Jewish in origin, to have the opportunity personally to approach God was massive. Huge change. For me, as an everyday English bloke from Essex, if I genuinely take a moment to consider I can draw near to God, life-changing. Life-changing. What a wonderful, brilliant opportunity part of life part of life first thing to stick in your wallet draw near to God if you're a Christian here today you can you are free to through Jesus Christ that is why that first bit before the let us is just goes through this is the work that's been done and because of that you can now draw near to God let's move on to the next let us verse 23 says this let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful have you ever had those moments i guess like for for these guys that the the letter was written to ever had those moments where things just feel a bit unsettled today i don't know if you guys know today's pirate day in hastings wow Get in. Never heard of such a day. Pirate day. But all of a sudden, you kind of think about boats being out on water and things like that. And, um, and now I'm a, a proper southerner again. And I'm swimming in the sea and that kind of stuff. You realize how choppy the waters can get. And they can get quite choppy quite quickly. You know, you can be swimming out and it's all quite calm. And all of a sudden, these waves start coming in. You're like, hang about, where did they come from? What a great metaphor for life sometimes. Have you ever been in a place where everything just seems nice and calm? The waters are good, feels all right. Then it just gets a bit choppy. Things start to happen and you're like, wait a minute, where did that come from? I weren't expecting that feeling. I don't know what's going on. And inside, it's kind of the confident you part of you might be thinking, yeah, I feel really confident. And the next day, there's another part of you and it kind of, no, I don't feel confident. I don't know what's going on. And then in the space of a moment, you can kind of, you've got all these things going on and you're like, for us, when we moved house and the house sale fell through, it was like, well, I'm confident it's going to happen. But over here, no, I feel really unconfident. I don't quite know what's going on. And then the jealous side of me comes in. I'm like, but over there, God, they're doing really well. What about me? Why, why is that happening? And over here, I'm kind of like alpha male me. It'll be okay. And it, all, these, all these kind of things inside, you get a bit, is that just me? Probably. All these things go on and it becomes unsettled. And you don't quite know what to hold on to. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. 
if you're ever at a moment or a place and a time in your faith, in your thinking, I'll be honest, I've had it coming here, okay? I'll be really honest this morning. And there are times when you're like, God, have we done the right thing? Because in faith, we've come. In faith, we've done something. In faith, we've uprooted and, and come here. I know we have, don't worry. But there are times when these things waver. What do you hold on to? Here's a really practical, personal thing that I do. I sometimes write down all the things that I'm feeling, and I look at it and I say, be quiet. Be quiet. I don't want to hear that voice of unsettledness. No, no, no. And then I think I have to purposefully take hold of the faith that I have, and I purely rely on that as the truth over me. It's telling all the other voices, stop, stop. I'm going to take the Bible. I'm going to hold on to this. That's what I hold on to, the promise. Unswervingly, kind of, unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. When you ever find yourself at moments when things just feel a bit choppy, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess. Hebrews 6, 18 to 20 talks about the hope we profess being an anchor for the soul. And in choppy waters, you get that anchor. You still bobble about a bit, but you're held. You're held. There's a relationship with God open through Jesus Christ that enables you to hold fast to the God all creation. And I hold fast to the gospel of Christ that holds me, holds me. And there are times when that might be all I've got, that is enough. That is enough. And why can I hold on to it so bluntly, so, I don't know if the word's violently, but sometimes you have to hold on to something violently. Does that sound wrong? There's a place where you have to take hold. How can you do that? 2 Timothy 2, 13 says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. This stuff isn't determined on how good I am, my own levels of faith. It's determined on his levels of faithfulness. And they don't drop. They are constant, consistent, there all the time. The message of the gospel is constant, consistent, there all the time. That's what makes this thing an anchor for my soul. This is a really cheesy diagram, but I like my cheese. Here's an anchor. On one side, for me, is Christ, his message. On the other side, for me, is the faithfulness and the promise of God. Them two together, mixed, unbelievable. If God wasn't faithful, I'm not so sure this will be an anchor. But he is. And so here's me. (laughs) I know it's a simple image, but this is how it works. I'm sure of it. Something to put in your wallet. Hold unswervingly. And I say that in the bad times, but I say that in the good times as well. Don't become complacent with your faith. Keep moving forward. As Christians and disciples, there's a place where we're always moving forward. Always growing. Well, 
flourishing into the best God has for us. What a wonderful testimony to be able to say. God in us, working on us, among us. It's a wonderful thing. It's not just about problems. It's about growth. He wants the best for us. He loves us. This is an anchor for the soul. And to the readers of Hebrews, wow. That's the thing that's going to hold me. Up next, I've kind of combined a bag of lettuces, in a way. It's like a bistro lettuce. And um, let us do community. There are three of the lettuces. Keep encouraging each other. Don't give up meeting together. And, um, and spur one another on. Why are those written to them? What's so important about these things? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other all the more as you see the day coming. The author of Hebrews now exhorts his readers to do community. He says, come on, draw near to God." And hold unswervingly, a kind of an internal thing that you do personally. And now he pushes them outwards and says, right, they're the things you can do for yourself. Now look bigger than yourself and outwards to others around you. Let's begin to build and do community. He exhorts them to do this stuff, to build each other up. The original word for consider let us consider how we might provoke one another. Or let us consider, sorry, I've just given the way the word. Let us consider how we might spur one another on. That actual word, consider, per, Andrew's sitting front row. You know when you start to sweat because you think someone is kind of like, knows a bit more about this than me, and I've got it right. <laughs> Paroxysmus, oh, I can't even say it. Paroxysmus. And actually, that word, to cut it short, means provoke. Okay? Let us provoke one another to love and good deeds. That word provoke has a slightly different edge on it. It does. That word provoke is kind of like, sometimes can be a bit intentionally a harsh word. But when you think about it, let us provoke one another. Imagine, I don't know, I'm standing out in coffee box with someone. How can I provoke someone to go and do love and good deeds? Wow, that's quite an action. It's not a, not a negative What does that mean when someone isn't doing love and good deeds and you can see that their attitude is a bit wrong and a bit funny? Provoke someone to love and good deeds. Bring a bit of a challenge maybe. All of a sudden discipleship and living together in community looks slightly different because we begin to develop each other and hold each other up and encourage each other to love and good deeds. Let's walk alongside each other. Don't give up meeting together because this stuff is actually good. If it's done right and it's done in love, it's healthy for us to be challenged every now and again. What time are we on? Let us not give up meeting together. Why? Because spiritually that works well. Spiritually it's good. Spiritually it's great to not do life on your own as a Christian. I can't do it on my own. I guess you guys can't do it on your own. So we need to do this stuff together. Don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. One of the reasons why we go into small groups as well is so that it's wider for people just to be able to get together during the week and experience some of the stuff that we're talking about here. I'm part of a, a running group 
And um, a couple of weeks ago, I broke my personal best on a 5K, and I was really proud. And I posted it on the Running Group's website. And then all of a sudden, off of the back of that, it's kind of like, all I got was, well done, well done. But then someone started to say, yeah, but there's more to come. Yeah, but there's a lot more to come. And there's something about doing life with groups of people that encourages you. If they say, right, do you know what? That's good. But man, you've got a lot more to come. It's exciting for you. It is exciting for you. Life, God has some great stuff for you. That's the stuff of meeting together in small groups. And let us encourage each other. What does that look like? Is it explaining that someone's hair looks nice this morning? I'm not sure it stops at that. Let us encourage one another. It might mean discipling other people. Disciples making disciples. It goes beyond just your hair looks nice. But it sits down and has a cuppa and a, cu- and a chat and a pray. It sits down and says, how are you doing? Like, what, what do you, where's your relationship with God at the minute? Is that going all right? So going a bit deeper than the surface into where are things at. And that takes relationship to be built. So these three things kind of all intertwine. I've written something here and actually... I'm wondering if it's become a bit of my little vision for me personally. I want to be known as someone who walked with a few people. I can't do it with everyone. I know my limits. I want want to be known as someone who walks with a few people and asks questions that help them grow in God and in themselves. On the day of my funeral, I hope there's a few people there that are able to say, do you know what, I remember when Paul asked me that question and that really helped me grow. I, I love things like that. I want to be known as someone like that. That, for me, is encouraging each other, setting yourself a target to be a kind of person that you want to be in a community of people when they gather together. Let's round up. I realise it's getting hot. Lincoln's wallet. He had eight things to encourage him. I think Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, I reckon there are five lettuces there to motivate on to push on, to encourage. What do we do? What does that look like? Well, don't give up meeting together. kind of looks like this in your wallet. Stick it in your wallet if, if you think this is good. Let us draw near to God. Hold it. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't forget what this stuff's about. The next bit. Let us hold unswervingly to faith because he is faithful. Hold unswervingly to the message of the cross, to Christ. It's good for you. It's healthy for us. And then the third thing to stick in your wallet, do community. Don't give up meeting up. When we do small groups, sign up to a small group. Get involved. It's not a project. The small groups are not a project. They're doing life together. It's a place where we can come together and do some of the stuff that we've just looked at. And the overall thing, I think, is live connected. Live connected to God and live connected to each other. And I think these are the things that the writer of Hebrews sends to this small group of people who are wavering in their faith. And he says, look, if you want to keep going forward, keep your eye on these three things. Draw close to God. Hold unswervingly to your faith. And live, do life. Live together. I'm going to pray. And then, um, and then well, I think we'll end the meeting there. Is that right? Let's stand, shall we? Shake a bit of the heat off. So God, I thank you for this book in the Bible.
of Hebrews. I thank you for its firm foundation. It gives us such a firm foundation in the gospel, in, in what we believe. And Lord, I thank you that there's nuggets of practical life stuff that we can take hold of. And God, if this is landing with anyone, I pray that at the times when we need to, we will open up our wallet and we will just remember to pull out, do you know what? Draw close to God. Pray that you would give us an inner awakening at that moment. Don't forget, I'm here all the time. And that unswerving faith that allows us to be able to draw close to you at any moment, at any time. And no matter what our brain tells us, if we feel like it's saying we're a million miles away from God, he will never hear us. I thank you that the word of God says you never leave us and you never forsake us. And that is the final word on it. Let us take hold of your word as the final word in those moments. And hold on to that as an anchor for our soul. And God, as we move into small groups, we thank you for all the community groups have done. May they continue in the projects just to blossom, grow, impact the place where we live for your name. And Lord, as we meet in small groups, let us not meet, uh, get, give up meeting together. Let us encourage each other. Let us provoke each other to love and good deeds. Pray for honesty. Pray for authenticity. Pray for doing life where it's not pressure to be something we're not, but we can just come as we are, imperfect, warts and all, and we can just grow knowing that you are among us. Pray for them to flourish. Thank you for your word. Let it be living active in our lives as we go from here in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're done there. I just want to encourage you. I set you one challenge as you're having a cup of coffee. Okay, it's not a challenge really. I just ask someone, what will it be like for you to be part of a small group? Simple as that. Easy question. If you're not sure what to talk about, just say, what will it be like for you to be a part of a connect group? I challenge you to do that over a cup of coffee just to get a bit of conversation going. Thank you for coming this morning and um, go and enjoy refreshments through there. If you're new, please go over to the visitor area. We'd love to meet you. Apart from that, enjoy a nice sunny day and we'll see you soon.